We've all heard those words kids love to say, I can do this myself. And anybody who looks at that picture is anticipating some eggshells in the pancakes or the muffins or whatever this child is going to make. Because they probably can't do it themselves, but they're sure they can. Unfortunately, kids don't really grow out of that, do they? We have a number of teenagers sitting in the room right now. They're not beyond saying, I can do it myself. In fact, they probably say it more often. Mom, Dad, leave me alone. I can do this myself. I got this. Does that attitude ever go away? Does something magically happen after we become a teenager, after we move out of the teens into the 20s and beyond that we no longer say that? Well, we all know it doesn't, does it? There is a part in all of us that still wants to say, leave me alone, I want to do it myself. I want to decide. I want to make the decision. Which brings us to what we're looking at this beginning of the summer, and that is Solomon's advice for us about life, some of his proverbs. We started last week and looked at the most basic foundation where Solomon lays out that wisdom is something that we just don't have when we're born. We don't just inherit wisdom from our parents or our grandparents. It's something that we have to acquire. And it is a choice we make whether or not we want to acquire wisdom or we want to be a fool. And in, in a sense, everything that Solomon later says and what we're going to be looking at the next three or four weeks is built on that one foundation. Counter to our culture today, it's not about what others do to me. It's not about my circumstances or the cards that I've been dealt. Whatever that is, good or bad, wisdom and foolishness are based on how I choose to handle life. Whatever life may deal to me. And in that choosing, we can choose to be wise or foolish. We can pretend we know everything. I can do it myself. I don't need anybody's help, anybody's wisdom. And Solomon warns us we'll end up being a fool. Or we can seek wisdom. We can listen. We can learn. And in that process, we gain wisdom. We become wise. But no one can do this for us. It's nobody else's job. It's a choice we have to make how we choose to live. Once we've made that choice, the next step is, well, then how do I gain this wisdom? Where do I go? If I want to be wise, I don't want to be a fool. How do I find this out? Well, the good news that Solomon gives us is that I don't have to discover it all myself. Every generation doesn't have to start from a, a zero sum and slowly figure out wisdom all over again. Actually, Solomon wants us to see that there's actually a source for wisdom. A teacher who wants to help us be wise, who wants to help us not be fools. That teacher is given to us over in the very first chapter, the seventh verse, where Solomon says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Throughout the book, you see Solomon offer those choice. You want to be a fool? You want to be wise? 
He says, well, the wise go to the Lord because He is the source of knowledge, of wisdom. And that fear of the Lord, that respecting God, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but that going to God and not just going to Him for wisdom, but doing so seeking instruction. God, I want to come to you and I want to learn. I want to gain wisdom because I don't want to be a fool. And God, you're the source of wisdom. You're the source of knowledge. So I want to come to you to learn. And of course, the fool despises all that. I don't need what God has to say. I I, I want to call the shots myself. I want to decide what's true for me, our culture today. I want to choose right and wrong. Solomon would say, well, go ahead, but you're being a fool. Because you're not listening to God, you're not going to Him for wisdom, because He is the source. We need to listen to Him. In the 15th chapter, Solomon's still convinced God is the source of wisdom. Wisdom's instruction, this is what I'm telling you to do, Solomon says, as wisdom, I'm telling you, fear the Lord. And humility comes before honor. I need to seek God, but humility is that I don't know it all. I'm not qualified to do it myself. Call the shots. I need to be humble and come to God to learn, to listen. And that's what will lead to honor. That's what will lead to being seen as someone who is wise. Because I have come and sat at God's feet to gain understanding. I need to talk for just a little bit about fear of the Lord. Because when I, I remember as a kid reading that in the Bible and thinking, you mean I'm supposed to be afraid of God? And, and you hear some of the stories in the Old Testament, Sodom, Gomorrah, Saul, Lot's wife, etc. And it was like, well, maybe I should be afraid of God because he can really be hard on people. But that's not really what that word's about in here. It's not to be afraid of God. It's to show God the respect that He deserves. Because of who God is, He he is creator, He has all knowledge, He has all power, there's nothing He can't do. Somebody like that needs to be treated and lifted up with respect. We need to be careful and treat him as he deserves. We need to listen to him. We need to stand in awe of him. We're talking to God. We're listening to God. Almighty God. It's not just a teacher that, well, I'll listen to some of what he says and write off the rest. No, it's God. And we need to treat him with the respect he is due. And if we have that fear of the Lord, that healthy respect of God, then we are going to listen to Him. And we read something of His Word, we're going to take it seriously because it's from God. We're not going to just write Him off. We're not just going to ignore Him. We're not going to just say, well, God, I know that's what you think, but this is what I think. Or or, I know that's what the Bible says, but everybody else is saying this. No, if we have a healthy respect of God, He has first place. And what He says matters more than what anybody else says. And that requires humility. That God really does know more than us. That that attitude of, I can do it myself, has no place in our relationship with God. 
And I think that's one of the greatest challenges in this whole point today. For if we truly are going to seek God, we have to accept the reality that He does know more than us. And we should listen to Him. I would ask you that question today. I think it is one of the most important questions for us. Is God smarter than me? Is God smarter than you? Now, this is one of those questions that we all will give that first immediate knee-jerk action. Well, of course he is. I mean, who in a church is going to stand up and say, well, I don't think so. We, we, we won't do that. But that public answer isn't what I want you to search for. What I want to ask you is what deep down inside, how do you answer that? How do you answer that on Tuesday at work? How do you answer that at home Wednesday night? Or out on the ball field Friday? How do you really answer that question? Do you really believe that God is wiser? God knows better. That His wisdom is what is important. I think a lot of times in our lives, our actions, our attitudes betray the fact that we really do want to call the shots ourselves. And if we want to call the shots ourselves, then what we're saying is we're smarter than God. And too often we get trapped in that, don't we? If you wrestle with that, there's three chapters I want you to read. We're not going to read them today, relax. But I want you to go home and read them. They're the book of Job, which isn't probably your devotional reading lately. But chapters 38, 39, and 40. Because Job has suffered tremendously... And he makes the mistake of challenging God, of questioning God and why he's had all this suffering. He's a righteous man. What's going on? And you ever been in a classroom when a teacher loses it? You know, and they're just, some student challenges that teacher and it's like, oh, this is going to be ugly. Well, that is exactly where Job was. It's really, because I'm not Job, it's fun to read. And it's like, ooh, Job, you really crossed the line. He questioned God. And God comes after him. It's great reading. And God starts on a cosmic scale and works down. He starts on a cosmic scale and he lists off the constellations and says, Job, were you there when I hung the stars? When I hung the Pleiades? Were you there, Job? I didn't see you. Were you there? When I created the Milky Way, were you, were you there? And so he goes through a whole bunch of the galaxy, and he ends up saying, okay, Job, what's your answer? Were you there? And, and he really doesn't give Job time to answer, because the answer is obvious. So then he brings it down to a global scale. And he says, oh, okay, Job, well, forget about the stars. Uh, were you there when I created the thunder and the lightning? Were you there when I divided the water and, and made solid land? Were you there, Job? Could you do that? And, of course, Job has nothing to say. And I think by chapter 38, Job was done and wished he could just go hide under a rock. But God isn't backing off. And he does this for three chapters. So then he comes down to the really big animals. And he says, uh, when I created Leviathan that is in the ocean, were you there, Job? Uh, when, 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 I, when I created this, were you there, Job? And then he goes down to the little animals. And he goes on for three chapters 
driving home the fact, the reality, that compared to God, Job knows nothing and can do nothing. In the grand scheme of things, Job is so far down here and God is so far up here, they're not on the same measuring scale. Now, God wasn't threatened by Job. He knew that this lesson was so important for Job, it took three chapters so Job would never forget it again. And by the time you're done with chapter 40, you're sitting there saying, I'll bet Job never forgot this. I really do. I don't think he ever had to have this again. It was so painful. But you see, it's that important for all of us to wrestle with that lesson. Do we really, deep down inside, on Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday and Monday, not just Sunday morning, do we really believe God is the source of wisdom? More than ourselves. That is a reality that we all need to come to grips with. That God is smarter than us and what he says to us we should be listening to. That God is smarter than my circle of friends. And if my circle of friends are saying we should do this and God says, no, don't do that. God is smarter than my friends and I need to listen to God. If everybody around me is saying, this is what we ought to do, and God says, no, it's not. I need to listen to God, not everybody around me. And I think we need to be candid with ourselves. We are living in a culture that is increasingly saying, this is what we should do, and it is opposite of what God says. And that is a huge pull on us. It is there like gravity. You can't just skip it. You have to fight it. But the fighting of that is in that conviction that God is the one who is wise. And He is the source of true wisdom, so I won't become a fool. I think we are all lamenting the direction of our culture. Whether that is increasing suicide rates, the growth of immorality, how people treat each other very without civility, anything you want to list. But I see all that happening and I think, why are we surprised? Since my generation came to power in the 60s, we have been saying consistently as baby boomers, we don't need God. And we want to get God out of our culture. We want to get God out of our government. We want to get God out of our schools. We want to get God out of life. And we wonder why it's not working. We are becoming fools by our own choices as a culture. And we are wondering why nobody is wise. You can't have Wisdom without God. He is God. He made this stuff. He made our world. He made our bodies, our lives, our personalities, our emotions, relationships. He is the designer of all of that. Who else could we go to to hear what will work? Where else can we find wisdom? We need to learn from God. 
I'd like you to turn over to Proverbs 2. And I want to read a, a fair section here where Solomon writes about how important it is for us to gain wisdom and how God plays into that. I want to break it up. I, first, I want to read the first four verses. This is Solomon speaking. He says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Now stop for just a second there. What I want you to see in this first paragraph is Solomon is saying, how bad do you want wisdom? Are you willing to work at it? Are you willing to go out and dig for it like you dig for buried treasure? Because you can have it, but you have to want it. You have to make a choice that says, it is going to be important in my life that I go find true wisdom. And I will spend time, I will do work to gain that wisdom. Now if we do that, read verses 5 through 8. Then, if you do all that and work at it, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Well, stop there. Notice what God gives to those who come to him and work to gain his wisdom. He says, I'll, I'll give it to you. God wants to give us wisdom. It's not like we have to beg him or trick him or conjole him to get wisdom from him. He says, I want you to have it. Isn't that like most teachers? Most teachers are thrilled to share their subject. They believe in it. They love it. They're eager to pass it on. God's the same way. He wants to pass on his wisdom and give us success, give us a shield, give us his guarding if we will go to him. Then start in verse 9. Then, then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. That's the benefit, the result that comes when we work hard coming to God to find His wisdom. That's a pretty nice pa a passage there, isn't it? Every good path, wisdom enters our heart, knowledge gives us pleasure in our soul, we have discretion, we have understanding, we can handle life and the cards it deals us and what we have to face. Why? Because we've worked hard to come to God to gain His wisdom, and His wisdom gives us all of this. Now, the legitimate question is, well, how do I do that? If, okay, you sold me, Jim. I, I want to come to God, and I want to gain His wisdom. So I, I'm not a fool. I can handle life. How do I do that? Well, the first part is that choice that says, I want to do the work. I want to find wisdom from God. 
So I'm going to seek God. If I can talk about teachers, you've you got to come to class. You've got to show up. If you don't come to class, it's pretty clear. You're not going to learn anything. And if God is the teacher, then the first choice we have to make is saying, I truly do believe God is smarter than me, and I want to come to him, and I want to learn. I have to come to class. Well, the next thing you do in class is you better listen. You better pay attention. A lot of, for us, a lot of that begins in the Bible. It is God's Word. It is His chief communication with us along with Jesus. And we find Jesus in the Bible as well. So the beginning place is listening to God so He can teach us reading the Bible. Reflecting on Scripture. I think one of the mistakes we make sometimes is reading immense quantities of Scripture and not taking the time to reflect on what I've read. Reading that paragraph of Scripture and then sitting with that for a minute. Okay, God, what are you saying there to me? What does that mean for me? That's where I'm trying to gain wisdom out of reading that paragraph of Scripture. Praying and saying, God, what do you want me to hear from you today out of that? As you come to church and worship, every Sunday pray as you're getting ready to say, God, I know you have some word you want to speak to me today. Help me hear that word. Don't let me be so distracted or anything else that I miss what you want to say to me. What else do you do in class? You not only listen, you ask questions. And we're blessed that God allows us to pray and talk to Him and ask questions. And talk over what He's just said to us or what we've read or what the preacher said. Say, wait a minute, God, do you mean you want me to what? And we talk with God about that. Or what we don't understand or what we don't think we can do. I know you say you want me, I don't think I can do that, God. We talk with Him about that. God loves that. And that's where I think we do some of our greatest growing and learning wisdom is when we not only listen to God, but we take time to talk with Him about what we think He's saying to us. And the final thing that I would add is that we honor God. That's not a word we use a lot in our vocabulary anymore today. But I think honoring is more than just listening to Him, more than just seeking Him and showing up to class, more than just talking to Him. Honoring God is showing Him that respect. Showing Him that He is important in our lives. Solomon says over in Proverbs 3, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. When I grew up, every time I ever heard this verse, it was applied to money. But I'm not so sure that's our greatest wealth anymore, is it? I think for most of us in this room, time would be of greater value than our money. But what Solomon says, if you really want wisdom, you need to honor God with your wealth, with what you have. 
Now, we do that all the time, don't we? Forget about God. If we really respect someone, if we really want to honor them, a lot of us bought gifts in the last month or so because there were kids in our lives that graduated. And we wanted to honor them. We wanted to honor them for their hard work. We wanted to honor them that they had achieved a milestone, whether it was high school or college, a trade school. And we wanted to give them gifts to honor them because they were special to us. And Solomon says that's how we should be with God. That he is special to us and what he has done for us and what he wants to give to us, we want to honor him and give him gifts of appreciation. Whether that is our money, whether it is our time, whether it is skills that we have that we can let God use. Those people lined up on the front row, this next Saturday they're going to honor God for a week of their life, giving Him of their time and their lives to say, God, you're my God. I want to give you this. Use this for you. But you see, that's part of the process of learning God's wisdom. You see, the last half of that verse, God says, you honor me, I'll honor you. He says, you come and honor me, you let me be your God, you come and seek me, you honor me, and guess what? I'm going to honor you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you good paths I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you discernment. I'm going to give you all of this. And Solomon is very clear. If we gain our wisdom from life, our lives will go better. Oh, we'll have problems. Bad things will still happen to us. But we will know what to do and how to handle them. Because we have gained God's wisdom. Solomon says that's the beginning of being wise. Coming to God and letting Him be our teacher. This sermon series was entitled Proverbs for Parents. And I don't want to close today without asking you parents to think about that. Uh, you're working pretty hard to make sure your kids go to school. And you're hounding them and persecuting them so they'll do their homework. You're, you're, you're doing all those mean things to them. Are you working as hard to make sure your kids are gaining wisdom from God? Are you making sure they're hearing from God in Scripture, in a Sunday school class, the youth group, coming to church, going to camp? Are you working as hard to make sure they're getting God's wisdom while they're getting all their math and language and other wisdom from school? Because nobody else is going to do that if you don't. We've got to be making sure our kids are getting true wisdom. And that's only found in God. And of course, the biggest way to help them do that is we have to model it. And then we have to help them do it themselves. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for Solomon and for how you made him so wise. And he passed it on to us. 
Help us learn from what he says. Help us seek you as our source of wisdom. Lead us, teach us, and help us be good learners. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.